What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar podcast live stream. Oh, it doesn't get old for me. Episode 61. I can't even speak. This is crazy. I start every one of my podcasts out this way. I get flustered for like the first 30 seconds and then it's on. Nonetheless. So yeah, episode 61. We got a hardtail party here today. This is going to be fun. I'm in my inside studio because the uh, smoke outside in Northern California is keeping me inside. That's one thing. But another reason is that there's air conditioning in here. Kind of kind of getting used to this. So uh, those of you guys watching, I got that uh, cool backdrop from last weekend on again. Nonetheless, so I want to tell you guys, do me a favor and swing by Instagram or Facebook and either follow or like or whatever it is on those two platforms and uh, keep an eye on what's going on over there because I'm always posting pictures and updates of what's going on. And if you guys want to know a little bit more, then that's a good place to do it. It's at biker B1. So B1 K E R B1. There's always like good tidbits of information on there. Like a couple weeks ago, I bought a new bike, posted it on there. I didn't tell people what it was, but I posted that I did it. Um, like you guys are used to for the last few weeks. Um, I want to do a special thanks to those guys on Patreon. You guys are supporting the channel right now. Number one sponsor, Patreon. It's not that not that hard. You guys want to kick in on the uh, the beer fridge? It's a buck a month. Get some access to the coupons for five bucks a month. You get some stickers. I should have them handy, but I don't. So those of you guys listening can't see stickers anyway, so it doesn't really matter. If you guys like what's going on, like the channel, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe. Um, there are two channels. Those of you guys that are just listening to the podcast, there's a biker channel as well. So if you want to see more like POV video type of stuff, you can head over there. So with all of that being said, let's move on to bring on today's guest. We got Steve from Hardtail Party. What's up, Steve? What's up, Robert? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, I think the last time that we got together, you just started Hardtail Party. Like, I want to say you might have even been like under a thousand subs. I can't remember. It feels like it. Yeah, it's it's been a wild journey. It's been a lot of fun. Dude, you give me, you've been doing some hard driving though, man. You, you I mean, what do you got now? 20 something? Yeah, yeah. I've been very fortunate. It's growing and people like the content and I'm loving the ride. It's been super fun. And when I was writing the, uh, the, the intro, like the show more for this show, I, I was remembering back to like when you first told us that you were doing this channel. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like, how's he going to have enough content if he's just doing hardtails? Like, I guess you proved us all wrong. <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, A, nobody likes hardtails, and B, nobody's going to watch just hardtail content. Why did you paint yourself into a corner like that? And yeah. I had some vision for it and put a lot of thought into it, and thankfully that vision's playing out, and it's expanding every day. It's, it's amazing, and I'm actually finding myself – I probably do three videos a week, and I even if I did 10 videos a week, I couldn't keep up with all the ideas in my head. It's pretty awesome. No, that's super good, man. So three a week, man, you're, are you um, just dedicating all your time to, to your YouTube channel or you got something else going on on like your regular day job or it's, it's my day job. I've got some side consulting gigs that I do, but uh -huh. uh, it's, it's my 60 hour a week job right now. Oh, wow. So you're, you're putting all the effort into, I was wondering how you were putting out so much content lately. Cause there for a while you were doing like one a day. Yeah, that was good. I was doing daily videos and it helped 
it really helped with the YouTube algorithm that recommended to more people. So the channel was growing like crazy, but my faithful viewers couldn't keep up. I was releasing more content than they could consume uh, yeah. realistically. So they were kind of falling behind. So while my numbers were growing, YouTube was recommending it to a lot more people. Mm -hmm. My, my hardcore people that have been with me forever were struggling to catch up. So I've, yeah, I'm always trying to find the, the right balance. I'd love to do one a week just to have more time for other projects, but I have too many ideas and I, I, uh, I don't know that I could ever do that. I'm having fun with three a week right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to do what's right for you. Right. So I, I remember talking to uh, BKXE at one point cause he was always on three a week. And I just remember telling him from my perspective, it was too much. Like as even a viewer, it just felt like I couldn't watch it, you know? Yeah. But, but it really depends, man. I mean, it honestly depends. There's plenty of YouTube channels that bring out a video a day and people watch it, you know? So I, I, yeah. I, I don't think that there's actually a right answer, you know? Yeah, it's tough. And when it's, there's all these ideas of where I want it to be in a year and to get it where I want it to be in the year, I need to do three a week to get it yeah. there. So we'll see. I mean, it, I'm, I'm just winging it. I don't really know what I'm doing and it, it seems to be working okay. And I'm really happy with it. And what's yeah, your I, goal? What's your goal for the year? Um, I'm not, um, I want to keep it going strong. I've, I'm pretty, I'm not too numbers driven. I don't want mm -hmm. a, a certain number of subscribers because I realize that quality of subscriber is way more important than quantity of subscriber. So yeah, if I had yeah. some viral video that went out and attracted all these people that aren't even bikers that, that log on because they want to hopefully stumble on another viral video, mm -hmm. they're not really the subscribers I'm looking for. I'm trying to build steady growth with people that are interested in hardtails that want to mm -hmm. hear the differences. And, and I'm an educator and every video I do has some educational element mm -hmm. and I want to really keep that educational part going. So yeah, my, my goals are just more for the types of videos I have and kind of the balance. Right now, I've got a whole bunch of bikes in for review. I need to knock those out while they're still relevant. Mm -hmm. But I have a lot of educational content I want to get out too. So I got to get those reviews kicked out while they're still new bikes. And then mm -hmm. um, I'll have a lot more time for my educational content. Yeah, I notice you do like reviews just even on like on the company's website on the bike. Yeah, that I I don't try try not to call those reviews. It's more like a news segment, like, "Hey, here's yeah. the latest thing that's going on about hardtails." Because my goal is to get that stuff, get the bikes in before they, um, before the embargo is released, so I can release videos as they drop. But my channel's not there yet, and some companies really see the value of that. Like Kodak sent me a few bikes way before anyone knew about them, mm -hmm. so I had a few videos ready to go, and on release day. We released the video and two weeks later they were all sold out. It was pretty awesome to time it that oh, way. Wow. And, and some companies are like, well, you know, after six months and we've sent out all our bikes to everyone else, we'll see if there's any leftovers and you can have those. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I want to talk about these new bikes and people want to hear my thoughts about them. So I do these little news press releases where mm -hmm. we just take a look at everything we know about the bikes that have been announced and we kind of go through and I share my thoughts through it. And there's a lot of education in there as well. And people learn a lot about why I'm excited about a bike or why I'm not and looking through the spec sheet. But I'm very careful to say, this is not a review. This does not replace someone being on the bike and actually riding it. We're just taking a look at the yeah. stuff where it's there. And a lot of it is marketing materials. And I'm 
one of my goals for the channel is to help educate my viewers enough that they can see through the marketing BS because there's so much marketing stuff out there that claims a bike can do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And it's just to get, just to sell more bikes and people eat that stuff hook, line and sinker without yeah. speaking it twice. So I try to help them, you know, challenge that a little bit and look at it. And some marketing stuff's great. Some of it is just total fluff and hype to get you pumped up to buy the bike. And I kind of yeah. want to help them make educated guesses. Cause the worst thing is when someone's like, Hey, I tried a hardtail. I bought such and such hardtail. I ended up hating it. I should have waited and bought yeah. hardtail B instead. Now I regret it. So I want to help people avoid making that mistake. I'm such like a, a like a rockhead when it comes to like actually noticing differences in bikes. So I'm not very good. I'm not a very good person to be able to like lay that out to people. Like I really have to ride something for a while and then get on something different before I'm like, oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. These wheels are awesome. You, you know what I mean? Like, totally. Like I was I'm that riding, way too. Yeah. Sometimes like there's some bikes that I'll have for two weeks and ride them every day. And I'm like, I still haven't figured out this bike. And people are like, when's the review coming? When's the review coming? And I'll just say, I'm not, I haven't cracked the nut on this bike and adjusted my riding style to suit yeah. it yet to review it. So I'm still working on that. And then some bikes I ride them for 10 feet and I know, and they feel that same way the whole time. And yeah, for better, for worse, I think I'm pretty sensitive to the little nuances like that. And most mm -hmm. people aren't. So maybe, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe 1% of my viewers yeah. actually can feel what I'm feeling. And the other ones are like, why is he spending all this time on these bikes? They all feel the same to me. They, yeah. they don't to me, but to a lot of people they do. I think when you're paying attention to that, the more that you pay attention to it, the more that you can notice it. Cause like when I like, I had the Bronson in the shop for a while, a while back. It was a couple of years ago. And I remember demoing a few bikes in a row. And at that time I was putting out more content. I was like making a video and, and after a couple of them, I was like, no, I kind of see, yeah, this one steers faster. This one doesn't, this one, I, I don't like the way that I, I can't like throw it around or, you know what I mean? So I, I could definitely get what you're saying, but, um, like, here's a good example of how I don't notice things like, it was you saying, man, the chameleon's really stiff before I was like, hmm, <laughs> he's right. You know, like, <laughs> I kind of feel bad because a lot of people are like, hey, I blew my budget. I already bought my bike. Can you review it, please? And I'm like, why do you want me to review the bike that you already bought when you don't have budget for another one? What if I hate it and just it's <laughs> not what you were hoping for? But it's giving some people a reference point because that yeah. might be their only hardtail and they're like, I don't know if my hardtail is a stiff one or a not stiff one. If, yeah. if it's not stiff and I want stiff, maybe I'll be dissatisfied with it. So at some point I feel kind of bad, like talking about bikes that other people have, because I don't want them to have these ideas planted. Like it was never stiff before, but now that Steve said it's stiff, I feel like it's super stiff and now I'm dissatisfied yeah. with it or satisfied with it. So <laughs> I think for me, like it, it wasn't like it changed my, my uh, perception on my bike. It just made me kind of realize that, Oh yeah, you know, whenever I got on that DV9, part of the reason that I was interested in getting a carbon frame was because like I could feel that sh those chain stays like flexing. Like I was like, yeah. man, this thing is comfortable. It and is. whenever I got the the carbon chameleon, I just didn't really put it together. You know, like in my head, I was like, oh, I got the carbon one. Yep, more comfortable. Like for me, there were some things that were more comfortable. Like I. I don't know what it is exactly. I guess we're talking about the chameleon now, yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, 
like I, my back used to hurt on the aluminum one all the time, like my lower back. And for some reason on the, on the, the carbon one, it's not, I did size up on my frame. So maybe I'm sitting a little different, but, um, for whatever reason, my back doesn't hurt on the, on the carbon one, like it did before. How tall are you? I'm six two. So I'm like in between that large and extra large always. Yeah. So I went with the X XL because I figured, well, a little bit longer and I'm riding my stuff more chunky. Yes. Or I'm riding it in a more chunky environment. So yeah. I was like, oh, a little longer. That wouldn't, it won't hurt any. At oh, the end of the day, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at the frames, like at the end of the day, it's like the next size up is like a half an inch longer or something like it's mm -hmm. like, if you really feel like it didn't work, you can buy another stem or like slide your seat and you're at the same spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it didn't, didn't, didn't uh, affect me too much. I think what you were saying earlier though, about um, people saying you kind of paint yourself into a box with the hardtail thing. I think on the other hand though, it really sets you up in a way when you're reaching out to vendors and saying like, Hey, first of all, I'm asking for a hardtail, not probably not many people are right. asking for that. Right. So, I'm so not asking for their $10,000 bike. It's right. got the latest and greatest. I'm asking for their $2,000 bike. Yeah. Right. And the fact that like you have such a centralized audience, like it's definitely going to equate to like sales or clicks or whatever, you know, not to get too much in the business side of YouTube, but that people, that, that's what they want to see when they want to send you a bike. Like, yeah, it's, it's getting easier and easier to convince companies to send me bikes because most of my viewers are hardtail fans. A lot of them aren't. A lot of them come just because they like the way I explain things and they learn things. That And a lot of what I do translates to full suspension as well. Mm -hmm. But the reviews particularly, we, we really just focus on the hardtails. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's an easy pitch to make to say, hey, I have 20,000 hardtail riders. Yeah. No one else has that, you know? Right, I mean, right. Or they won't admit it at least. I'm sure Seth does, but... But it's a very targeted and specific audience, and I was very intentional when I made the channel for that reason because no one was really doing the hardtail thing, and no mm -hmm. one's really – I mean, uh, Pinkbike just did a podcast on hardtails, and it was mm -hmm. should have been called the anti-hardtail episode because they just kind of ragged on hardtails the whole time. That's interesting. And, and uh, it was just interesting to see that you know there aren't a lot of champions for the hardtail out there, and some of these guys that are – reviewing hardtails have been only have only been on two hardtails in the past 10 years. And so yeah. how can you really compare it to some of the other stuff? So yeah, it's a weird niche. Like I'm not asking for the latest and greatest flagship models from these companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, we're seeing a resurgence in hardtails too. And I think a lot of people are realizing, dang, you know, some people are choosing hardtails by choice, not just because they have a low budget. Yeah. I think there's two things that play into that. Let's, 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 see if yours are the same but i think there's two things for whatever reason everybody went like crazy big on their full suspension bikes like i am still scratching my head why like a bike like the mega tower is so popular like i see that on trails that we were riding you know 130 mil bikes on not too long ago and not having a problem with and now these people are riding these like 170 180 rigs so I feel like that's part of the reason because because people are riding these huge bikes, they started realizing that they're overgunned or they bored like made their trails a little more boring because now you just run into everything. So they're yeah. looking for some excitement there. Um, yeah, I, 
I forget I what my second reason was. I think that was it, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think that, like, there was two, but I can't remember what the other one is. It'll come to you. Yeah, yeah. No, but I agree. And, you know, marketing works. And we see all our enduro heroes riding these massive bikes. And we look on Instagram and all the bling builds are, you know, these $15,000 enduro sleds. And they just have the coolness factor. And it influences what people buy. And I also think big, squishy bikes allow you to ride black diamonds that you might've struggled on your 130 bike. And so the bike can make you feel like a better rider. And so you're like, yeah, all I had to do was purchase something and now I can ride stuff I could never ride before. Yeah. And so I think that appeals to a lot of people or they hop on a buddies and take a test ride and they're like, wow, I could just run right into that curb and I didn't even feel it. That's so cool. And then after time you're like, I kind of miss feeling that curb or I kind of miss feeling the trail a little more. For me, like, I really just wanted to make it more difficult, you know, like I wanted to go back to the trails that I was getting bored of. Like Auburn is yeah. my, you know, my backyard. I've ridden that place surely over a thousand times. You, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. like, whenever I went from riding in the day to night was the first time that I was able to like give that place a resurgence. Yeah. Like it was like, all of a sudden all the trails were new again. Yeah. And that wore off. And then it yeah. now, then it was like, okay, well, you know, I still, this is a really fun place to ride. It's not like it's a crappy place, you yeah. know? And so totally. it was like, okay, well, what can I do now? It's like, okay, well, I guess I can get a hardtail and that'll make it more interesting, which it did. And I, yeah. my assumption is the last step is, is single speed, you know? <laughs> Don't get me started on that. I love single speed. I haven't done it yet. That, that's part of the reason why I bought the chameleon. Cause it's like easily, yeah. easily converted. Yeah. I'm, I ride single speed 90% of the time now. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love you it. You know where you're at though, it's punchy up and down where it's yeah. not like not a two hour fire road climb. Yeah. That's the thing that's hard about where I'm at. It's like really tough to like gauge to have a gear that you're going to be happy with to, climb for at least an hour but yeah. then not be like you're gonna spin out so quick if you have that decent gear that's what down. you think it's surprising it's surprising. yeah yeah it, but the key to single speed is finding a couple of buddies that do it that are patient with you mm-hmm. it's single speeding is fun by yourself but you need like a host you need someone to introduce it to you to tell you what mm-hmm. gearing to do to give you some tips to to tow you into things Mm-hmm. It's not like the act of single speeding is hard, but if you're on a totally wrong gear setup, you're just mm-hmm. going to hate single speeding because you're going to think it's a certain way. But man, I've probably single speeded, I don't know, 800 to a thousand miles now. And maybe five of those miles I felt spun out. Really? And uh, yeah. And and I've done three hour climbs on it up a fire road. And yeah, you know, if, the, if you also have to kind of be careful what trails you pick and stuff, but anyway, yeah. It's not for everyone and it's hard on your body and you kind of have to ease into it. But man, it has brought so much more fun and fitness to, to the sport for me. I really like it. I I've always, I've had this thing in the back of my head for a long time that I've wanted to do it. So, um, I'm thinking, you know, we'll still we'll see how it goes. You know, like I, I feel like dropping a few more LBs will probably be good before I, I get into that camp. But, uh, the yeah, thing is, yeah, you're at max heart rate the whole time on every ride. Right. It's just like your heart rate is like 180, 190, 200. It's just pinging off the roof the yeah. whole time. And you have to take more breaks, but it's really fun. When you're ready, let me know. I'd love to 
Yeah, I know. Progress and commit to like a month because the first two or three rides suck. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And then you kind of get your little fitness in and it goes pretty well. Yeah, I think I feel like I feel like I have that like glutton for punishment freaking gene <laughs> in me. So I I'm pretty sure that once I make the decision, it'll be it'll be on, you know. You're gonna like it. I know yeah. you are. I think it's just that, you know, I like that challenge, you know, as much as on my channel, I complain about, about climbing and I always will. It doesn't matter. I, I just, I hate climbing, but I, if you were to tell me like, Hey, you'll never have to climb again. I would be like, well, I actually don't want to, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, like I do yeah. like that challenge. It reminds me of like being a kid where there was like that one hill that you always had to try to get up on your BMX. And it was like, yeah. One one day you got halfway and you know one summer you got three quarters and that first time that you crested the hill you were like so yeah. stoked, you know. What's that trail in Auburn is it AS ASCRA or something like that? AS ARCA the Auburn the loop above like the river there. I anyway, I did like a 20 miler out there and I thought it'd be perfect on a single speed. Uh you're probably talking about Forest Hill Divide loop. I think look it up because where you were at the area that you're at is Auburn SRA. So that's ASRA. That's probably okay. where you're confusing it. But the Forest Hill Divide loop people are FDHLT or whatever the heck it is. FHDLT, something like that. Um, All your acronyms are driving me crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I can't there's a straight. route called tour of the ASRA. I yeah. did that with my wife and uh, my buddy Kyle. And man, we had a blast out there. And the whole time I just thought this is perfect hardtail country. And yeah. it'd be perfect on a single speed. And that's the stuff I'm riding my chameleon on a lot is, is basically what you, cause I think the, that one that you just pulled up is probably about like 23, 24 miles. Yeah. And it's yeah. flowy. I see yeah. there's no soul crushing climbs and same with Granite Bay. You could do that on a single speed. No problem. Oh yeah, definitely. That's where, whenever I first got my chameleon, I was, I was heading over there a bunch right just on. to kind of like get my head together. There's some, I always talk smack about that place. Cause it's <laughs> like, where I would take my kids or somebody that was yeah. just learning how to ride. But there's some stuff in the the back 40 there. That's, that's yeah. pretty, pretty intense. You know, you just have to know where it's at. Yeah. You know? I could session that place for a few hours and not get bored. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, and that's, yeah. that's the thing. My wife and I used to live in an RV and we traveled the U S and we've ridden in, I think 22 or 24 States mm -hmm. and 95% of the trails out there aren't black diamonds. Right. And like you said, we buy these mega towers with 170 mil travel for the one black diamond. But if we're honest, 95% of the trails we ride are, or the stuff close to us is probably yeah. not the most hardcore stuff. And while we love the hardcore stuff, you know, try to make the, the stuff yeah. close to you fun again. And that, and you can reconnect with stuff that you used to think was boring. And that's why I love hardtails. Yeah. I had a 140 bike for a long time and I never had any problems with anything that I was doing in Tahoe or whatever. I always felt like I wanted just a little bit more, like 150 probably would have been perfect. But um, I, I think I'm 160 on the Bronson on the fork. And most of the time, like that's only getting me out of like making dumb decisions and when I'm in sure. Tahoe, you, sure. you know what I mean? Otherwise that bike for the most part is just too much. I, I'd say most of the time I'm grabbing my, um, hardtail if I'm riding anything that's not Tahoe, mm -hmm. you know, cause, or something that I know is like, there are some local trails that have just like all the baby heads in them 
and that's right. just that's just no fun. Your your yeah. back is like done. It's hard that. on the body. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. So, what kind of bike are you riding nowadays? Mm. <laughs> I've got about fifteen downstairs in my basement right now, but only three of them are mine. Uh-huh. So I've got an RSD middle child titanium. That's my mm-hmm. number one bike. And I, I love titanium and people it's expensive and I get it. And it's not for everyone. It doesn't rust. It doesn't, I don't have paint on it. Mm-hmm. When it gets scuffed, you just sketch, scuff it up with a scotch bright pad and it's good as new. It's metal. You can lean it on a tree or a mm-hmm. barbed wire fence. Nothing happens to it. That little bike is fantastic. And I've run it, it in so many setups. What is it that you like about the titanium? I've always been curious about like people that say they have a titanium frame. They always say it like it's really good, but I never yeah. know why. You know? Not, yeah. Good question. Not all titanium's great. Just like not all carbon's great. And I try right. not to use over generalizations because a lot of people still use the term steel is real. And um, a good steel frame has a great ride quality to it, but I found mm-hmm. aluminum frames that have that great ride quality too. So I try not to just paint with a broad brush, but titanium when done right feels like steel. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit, it's more compliant. And what I mean by that is when you hit a rock, it doesn't feel like when you hit your funny bone and that just zings up your arm and you feel that nerve all the way up your arm, it feels, it deadens it just a little bit. It still feels like a hard tail. It's still, you still feel that transfer to your body, but it absorbs some of those uh, smaller vibrations. And that's just a really neat feel. And mm-hmm. a good builder can tune that into the bike. So you don't want it to be flexy side to side. So when you're standing up mashing, you don't want mm-hmm. the bottom bracket swaying left and right. And titanium bikes of the 90s did that. They were famous for that. You could mm-hmm. watch XC racers at the finish line sprinting and their bottom brackets are just flexing left and right mm-hmm. because we were still learning how to kind of tune that out. But yeah, titanium is like... It's it's expensive because it's hard to weld. They have to fill the frame with gas mm-hmm. to reduce impurities because of the welding process. So they have to completely seal it up. They have to have this pressurized line going into it, blowing gas into it at all times. So the weld stays clean and the tubing's more expensive and it, not everybody can do it. And so there's um, it, it adds cost, but titanium mm-hmm. doesn't rust. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lighter than steel. Usually steel can still be made pretty light, but usually titanium frames are about a half pound lighter than steel with the same steel ride qualities. And, um, and like I said, with mine, I don't have to paint it. I don't have to worry about paint chips. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about scratches. It's a metal bike that takes a beating and mm-hmm. it looks brand new still. Right on. Where yeah. does that like fall in between like carbon and titanium then? Like, like the ride feel? Yeah. It depends. Like right now, and and that's one reason why I'm kind of reluctant to do these online news stories where I'm just reading the spec sheets and the marketing materials and making assumptions based off mm-hmm. of it. They're all just assumptions. And until you throw a leg over a bike, you don't know how it's going to ride. Like Especially you said, if it's carbon, you don't know how it's laid up. Totally. Like a DV9 and a Chameleon will ride very different. A yeah. carbon Chameleon and a carbon DV9. The DV9 has a bit more forgiving ride, and the Chameleon is nice and stiff and has excellent power transfer. And when you're pumping a pump track on that Chameleon, yeah. it is just instant, and it feels great. And then there's stuff like Ghost makes uh, XC hardtail with paper-thin seat stays that are designed to flex. And so um, that should be a very soft frame. And so I, I can't really make a 
or like let's take the Diamondback um, sinker carbon. That frame mm. I expected to be overly stiff, but it actually wasn't. It was softer than DV9 to me. And so it all depends on how they lay it up and, and how they do it. There's a lot of push to have the bling carbon one. And anytime something's carbon, we feel like um, it's bling and we want to show it off more. And I'm speaking in generalities. Not everybody's like this. But we always think like the carbon handlebars are going to be better than the aluminum ones or the carbon wheels are going to be better mm -hmm. than the aluminum ones. In some cases they are, and in some cases they're not. So a, a great yeah. carbon frame, they're going to put stiffness where you want it and softness where you want it. But I mean, so many things depend. Like if you're a 120 pound rider, my wife rides a DV9. And even though that's a comfortable frame for me, it still yeah. beats her up because she's so light. And so, yeah. I mean, these frames are going to ride different for every person. And it's, it's, well, it's like hard the, to just say how it's going to be for everyone. Yeah. Like the aluminum chameleon for me, the bottom bracket was like flexing like mad for the size that I am. Sure. So, makes so sense. like when I went to the carbon, like, when I would just be sitting and put my foot on the pedal, like you could watch my bottom bracket on the aluminum just sway, just putting my foot on the pedal sitting, you know, I believe it. And like on the, on the carbon one, it's like, I stick my foot on it and like, you'll see it not like do a little like nudge. Sure. So like that is a huge difference whenever I'm pedaling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially totally. like when I'm trying to go fast and I'm like out of the saddle, just giving it to it, you know, like, yeah. I definitely noticed the ride characteristics in for me and my size in that carbon. And I really enjoyed it, you know, but absolutely. Um, a lot of my bigger friends want a stiffer bike. And yeah. I talk about stiffness as a bad thing for where I live, but if you're a bigger guy, taller or heavier or more muscular, you guys can put down power that the rest of us can't and you need a stiffer bike. And that's, yeah. That's the whole purpose of my reviews is to kind of rate the stiffness of a frame because that's one thing. We can all look at specs and geo on a chart and kind of make inferences based on that. But until you've really ridden one to know how stiff it is and what it reacts like, I think that's a real value of the reviews. But I'm totally with you. Yeah. What, um, so we talked about what, what you like about titanium. So yeah. are you... Um, like more of an anti-carbon guy or like more of an aluminum guy or what would you, if you were building your own, if you were building your own hardtail, like, yeah. What, what frame material would you choose? It'd be titanium or aluminum. Yeah. And a lot of people think I'm crazy for saying aluminum, but aluminum can't, like you said, with your chameleon, that's a very comfortable aluminum frame. It writes better yeah. than most steel frames. Yeah. For light riders. Yeah. So yeah, I'd do, choose tire aluminum it doesn't well it doesn't rust you can like you can crash and pick it up and your bike's not hurt like carbon yeah. the uh, i think this the beauty of a hardtail is you can kind of ride it hard put it away wet low maintenance easy to swap parts out and kind of mm -hmm. the vibe of what makes a great hardtail great is it's kind of the blue collar heroes bike and i, f I i'm not anti-carbon at all and i'm I'll, I'll probably own a carbon hardtail at some point, but mm -hmm. I don't think it'll be my main hardtail. And I'll definitely take, I'll de I definitely will think twice about taking hard lines where a rock might impact the frame. Whereas with my titanium frame, I don't even think twice. And yeah. if I hit a rock, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't really think about line choice because of my frame material at all, but um, good. that I, and who knows, maybe it's just cause like my brain can't process that much information at once, but <laughs> like, I just don't think about it. I always feel like if I'm going to 
break a frame like it's it's just like meant to be sure. like it's not like something that i can handle or like change you know like one well, of my I'll, friends yeah go, go ahead. ahead no go for it and i think the carbon chameleon santa cruz frames are completely overbuilt in their carbon ones and they will take a serious beating yeah. some of the other super light frames like even the dv9 just feels pretty paper thin to me it's a super light frame Mm -hmm. And I, um, I actually was trying to move here in Sedona where I, it was like a 28 inch lift to get my bike up. And I hit my down tube of my carbon chameleon on it. And I was just like, what, why am I trying that? I'm going to destroy this frame on my third ride out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, where if it was my steel frame, I just would have just brushed it off and not cared at all. Yeah. Why, uh, why, um, why'd you get rid of the chameleon? It was too stiff. You just I actually like prefer the aluminum one. Because you had um, them both, didn't you? Yep. So I, with with your hardtails, are you riding uh, 29 or 27.5 plus? Both. What's your preference? Uh, it kind of depends on would, what the ride. Like if it's a 60-mile ride, I'll put the 29ers on yeah. with like a faster rolling tread. But my single speed, I'm about 60% plus and uh, 50 40 percent uh 29er i would say what's the reason just um comfort um i feel like with the plus so i'm also a little bit weird i feel like the industry is going to catch up here but i don't like long travel 29ers but i like slack aggressive 29ers so my mm -hmm. bikes are like 64 and a half degree head angle which is yeah. pretty slack but i'm running like 120 to 130 mil travel mm -hmm. and the plus tires allow me to feel like it's got a little bit more travel in it and smash through stuff a little more without mm -hmm. geometry changes whereas if i'm on a 150 fork with like 29ers you feel that front end dive more and so i'd rather get i use my tires as my suspension and so mm -hmm depending on the trails I'm riding, I'll pick the wheels and tires that suit that terrain best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely would say that in my experience, the 29er, if it was going to be more of an XE ride, I'd go with that as well. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, I don't know if it's just me because of the extra suspension, but I feel like the 27.5 plus is just more playful. Yes. It, it, it can have that feel. Definitely. Yeah. I love, I love it. Do you think um, it's just the the extra suspension makes you like more apt to like mess around? The extra that's a grip, great maybe, question. You know, I definitely ride differently when I'm on the plus tires versus the twenty nine. The twenty nine, I'm keeping my momentum a little more. I'm pushing it a little more. I'm keeping my <laughs> speed a little bit higher the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's when I pick twenty ers anyway. And the twenty seven five, I'm like, let's see if I can jump from this route to that route yeah, or, yeah. you know let's try and take this bonus line here and i i've with the plus tires i'm a little bit just goofing around a little more and not so serious and that i think that's why i ride them more because they just yeah. beg you to feel that you, you feel like a kid again and you feel like you're a little monster truck riding over stuff right right i agree with you there's you know this guy here uh fat bike skinny leg says but what about 29 or plus right <laughs> What do you so, think? yeah, I love 29er plus, and I have some upcoming experiments with that. And really, um, I was considering yeah. trying some like two six 29er tires on the on the uh, chameleon, but I have to go pick up like I know some some An investment wheels, you know. 
Right. I, I'm not a huge fan of 2.6s, and I know that's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings, mm -hmm. but I feel like I either go 2.4s or 2.8s. I feel like 2.6s yeah. are kind of the worst of both. They're okay, but they're heavy like 2.8s, but they don't quite have that feel of 2.8s, and I feel like 2.4s are pretty dang good. I, I'll run a 2.4 rear, 2.5 front. Yeah, I have a, I'm running 2.8s on the Chameleon, but um, it's funny what you just said. On my Bronson, just by what I had left in the garage, I'm running a 2.6 up front and a 2.4 mm -hmm. in the back. And I freaking love it. Good. Like, like it, it's just like, I really wouldn't have thought the 2.4 would, would do what I wanted it to do. And it's been, it's been a good, good setup for me. Totally. I feel like the 2.6 might be a little overkill though. Honestly, I think I'm going to try to dial it down to a 2.5 and see how yeah. I feel. And that sounds like, oh, 0.1 of an inch. What's the difference? The tires yeah. do feel different, though. Like, they kind of react differently. And I really, I run yeah. a 2.4, 2.5 on my 29ers, and then I run a 2.8 or 3.0 on my plus tires. I've never done a 3.0 on, on the plus tires. I've done 2.8, and um, it just seems like it's good enough to me. 2.8's fine. Uh, yeah. 3.0's not much heavier. 3.0 has a floatier feel. It feels a little more like 29+. plus. So mm -hmm. I really like it for bike packing and sand and it's a little bit more vague. It's not quite as precise as a two eight, mm -hmm. but it's got a little bit of, it's just, a, it's a different feel. Um, yeah. and it's not for everyone, but you Do need you a rim that's wide enough. Most people put three O's on like a 36 internal rim and that's not wide enough to, to run a true three O. It's just going to feel weird. Yeah. I think you and I are both running the same wheels, the night yeah. composite wheels. Those things are great, man. Like, They're fantastic. Those what is it like a 40, 45 internal or something like that? Yes. Yeah. With, like I think all plus tires should be bigger than, or plus wheels should be wider than 40. 45 is the sweet spot. They just, yeah. even a two eight on that will feel like a three Oh on a 40 mil. How really, small of a tire can you put on those? You could probably do a two six. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just going to change where the cornering knobs are. And so you'll, yeah. you'll lean your bike differently, but it's fun to experiment. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna see. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to get my wheel back. I broke my, um, my rear wheel. As, as much as I'd like to say that those things are indestructible. Well, they're not. I cracked <laughs> mine too, and uh, it was totally my fault. And I was being stupid and riding them way yeah. beyond their intended purposes. But mine, I just cracked the edge. That's exactly what happened to me. I like, just super glued it and put sixty more miles on it in Colorado last week, and they're fine. <laughs> yeah, I um, I. I, and I had Kushcore in too for all those people that think Kushcore is like a rim saver. It's not a rim saver. It's a, it helps, but it's not going to stop it. I just, I hit some little booter rock and the one that I landed on was like a triangle shape, you know? And it was yeah. like all my weight hauling ass down the hill on my back tire that had, you know, only the suspension of the Kushcore and the, the, the air in there. And um, I heard it pop as soon as I hit it. I was like, oh, that's not good. Did but, it lose air? No, no, it didn't. Yeah, and mine it was didn't just, either. It's kind of like a little crack, like what you said. Mm -hmm. And I, I wrote it. I sent a picture to my buddy and um, Jake up at Project Three Two One, and he's like, mm -hmm. "Dude, you can ride that thing. It's fine." Yep. So, and I didn't want. I knew because I'd have to get it rebuilt and everything like that. I knew right. it was going to be some amount of time that and money. If I, right. If I committed to getting it replaced, it's gonna. I'm not gonna be able to ride my hardtail for a while. Right. Right. So, so I was like, all right, fine. I'll just ride it. He said, it's cool. I'm, I'm going to do it. And I rode it for probably 
let's say at least another six, seven months. Yeah. Until I hit something else. And I think it just, it, the crap uh, came up high enough that it, it broke the bead on my, uh, on my wheel. And then it just let all everything out. And then I was doing the, uh, figure out how to get the cush core off and tube oh, in on the trail. Yeah. Which actually wasn't as bad as like I thought it was going to be. What, and I think this is the key point in why it wasn't bad is those night composite wheels are so freaking wide. It's like cush core on those is really easy. Like it's not that difficult at all. Uh, I think I lost your audio there. I don't know if it's me or you. <clears throat> So I'm gonna rant for a little bit while you're while you're messing around and see what happens on your end. Um, so those of you guys that two things about Kushcore. First of all, like I said a minute ago, it's not supposed to be a rim protector. It's supposed to be a suspension device. So it, you're supposed to be able to put that on there and lower some pressure and feel some differences in the way that your bike handles. The fact that it does protect your rim in some of those snake bite scenarios, that's just like an added benefit, but it's definitely not what it was made for. Outside of, how you doing over there, Steve? Still no audio. <laughs> how about so, now? Oh, there he is. Sorry. <laughs> I'm glad I had to ask you where, how you were doing over there because I forgot what my second point was I was going to make after the Kushcore point. But... <laughs> But I love those wheels, man. I, I, when I cracked them, I was going about 15 miles an hour trying to bunny hop up a three foot ledge and I timed it wrong. I just slammed it right into it so hard. Yeah. And they're, they're backcountry wheels. They're not enduro yeah. wheels. And I'm not surprised I broke it. And, but I love those things. They're still going strong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked to get mine back. So that's the, that's been the downside to like what's going on in my life right now is that because I sent that wheel up and I'm also on the like buddy, not paying, sure. paying um, customer Mind frame. Yeah. Frame. So it's <laughs> like, you know, if I was buying the wheel or, or I bought the wheel, you know, like, yeah, I'm sure they would turn it around pretty quick. But since it's like, Hey man, I'll Let's send see. you a 12 pack whenever you, you know, next time yeah. you know, or whatever. It's like, yeah, I'll get to that. Oh man, we've been slammed. I'll get to that. So sure. it's been a minute that the uh, the the chameleon's been out out of out of uh, rotation. So I'm looking forward to getting that back. I think he said he's getting the wheel back down to me next week. So sweet. So I'm pretty pretty stoked about that. Those things are like like you said though. In I don't know if you said it. I don't think you said tonight. They're like super compliant wheels. Like they definitely yes. make the ride nice. Yes, absolutely. And that's super important on a hardtail. Um, I've got a bike in for review right now that's a stiff bike. And then I put some wheels on it that were stiff as well. And I, I just couldn't ride it. It was such an unpleasant experience. I swapped the wheels out and now I can review it because it's transferring so much less uh, stuff to me. So anyway, Hughes, wheels make an enormous difference on a hardtail. I think in general too, maybe we could have that conversation is like people that have aluminum wheels on their bike, whether it's a hard tail or a full suspension, they're like, Oh, I want to get carbon. And they really probably, a lot of people probably just pick off a price, sure. you know, or like maybe what their buddy had or something like that. And 
there's so many different ride characteristics to carbon wheels on like which ones you could totally get something that you hate. Yeah. You, you know, or like just get lucky or not know any better, you know? And yeah, I, I feel like, you know, how is it that a consumer is supposed to know what they want? You know, like with an aluminum hoop, you pretty much like couldn't go wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's some stiff aluminum wheels out there too. Like I nines ride uh, stiffer than some carbon wheels, like they're mm -hmm. aluminum wheels, but, and we just go off of marketing, which is too bad because marketing's job is to make us dissatisfied with our current, whatever we have mm -hmm. and help us feel like this new product would solve the dissatisfaction that we're currently experiencing with our current product. What's, what's some of those marketing things that you said you like to help people kind of read through on the, uh, on your videos? Oh man, it's all the buzzwords. It's it's. I talk about compliance a lot, and that's one of my least favorite buzzwords because they mm -hmm. they have wheel is vertically compliant, laterally stiff, or uh, down country is one of my biggest beefs right now. That's doing more confused. Con that's confusing people more than it's helping them. But mm -hmm. I'm seeing it pop up in marketing speak now on on bikes. They'll be like the perfect down country machine and. And people don't really know what down country means is, but they know they want it. And so they make purchases based on that or what, what is down country? What is that? What are they calling that? That's a term that Mike Levy invented on pink bike. And I get why he invented it. It was kind of like cross country bikes that are capable and that are capable with geometry and a little bit more travel to handle going downhill. So mm -hmm. they still have very strong cross country, lightweight feel on the ups. Mm -hmm. But really, all trail bikes are kind of becoming that now, and they're just changing the trail category to say down country because it's a buzzword and hot topic right now. Yeah, I mean, just some people last, are in the the last like ten years. It's like cross country bled into like all mountain, which turned into trail, which then yeah. turned into enduro. Like, I don't even know what the difference between all mountain and trail was. Like to me, I think that's the same. Like I can understand the difference between cross country and something else, sure. you know, and not sure. enduro, you know, like yeah. enduro is like, like, like mini rock smasher in my head. You, yeah. you know what I mean? But like, I can understand like the, I guess the down country makes sense to me, but it's just another name instead of trail though. That's what it's becoming. And yeah. I think when Mike Levy invented it, he intended to say, we need a category that's still lightweight, that's still zippy on the ups, but that's actually fun on the downs because cross-country yeah. bikes in general, especially in the West, aren't super fun on the down. They're very sketchy. And so what if we took the geometry from the enduro bikes and applied them to a cross-country bike? And that's kind of right. what he thought. But that's trail is all just morphing into that right now anyway. So I don't know. They don't really use all mountain anymore. And... I'm an educator and that stuff just confuses people. Like I get people text me every day. Hey, this is the bike I ride. Is it considered modern or is this a down country bike or is this an enduro bike? And mm -hmm. I kind of want to say, Hey, I understand your frustration because it's a little bit confusing. Mm -hmm. um, B it doesn't really matter if it's an enduro bike or not, as long as you're having fun on it. But I, at the same point, I kind of want to help educate them on what it is. And when people use that term, what they're referring to. Yeah. So anytime a new, t I mean, maybe I'm just an old guy that doesn't like change, but if, if down country had like some parameters that we were mm -hmm. using, that everything had to have certain things to fit into that, it would make sense. But now I'm seeing hardtails that two years ago would be called trail bikes are now called down country bikes. Cause that's the hot topic. That's yeah. where marketing is just 
swaying people to buy it to make them feel like it's modern. Or like you'll see a bike that's got a 68 degree head angle and in the literature it'll say, this new slack bike uh, helps you stay confident on the downhills but still have all the climbing prowess of an XC bike. And, and you know, calling a 68 degree head angle bike slack 10 years ago was probably slack. Yeah, Side not note. so much anymore. Yeah, side note, the first mountain bikes, those clunkers they were riding, had 67-degree head angles with a rigid fork. So it's not like we've all gone super slack. We've gone right. steeper, <laughs> and then we're slowly, finally coming back. The brand-new Yeti ARC with a 130 fork has a 67 or 67.5 head angle. So it's not yeah. any different than those clunkers. But anyway, I digress. But I do think all that marketing speak confuses people, and people will say, well, my shop guide said it was slack or the web material said it was slack. So I'm never going to look at the geo chart and learn what those numbers mean and how to interpret them. I'm just going off the marketing speak, which says it's slack. So I'm going to trust that and buy with that in mind. Mm -hmm. So I try to educate people on what the geo chart means. And, you know, not, it feels like 95% of people buying bikes these days have never thrown a leg over it and they're buying mm -hmm. it off the online info. And if you can't read a geo chart, you should be shopping at your bike shop. Yeah. Go throw a leg over it. Go see how the bike feels. Because if you're just going off paint schemes and what derailleur it has, mm -hmm. you're gonna you're really limiting yourself as to what's possible, and you're probably not picking the right bike for you just because it has the cheapest bike with XT12 speed on it. Yeah. When my number one like criteria for picking a bike is color, and then <laughs> <laughs> you're not and alone. Then, and then I go to probably head tube angle <laughs> that's funny color's my last thing yeah i am definitely like that that is a hundred percent for me like the um the bike that i just bought that i haven't told everybody what it is yet like uh that that bike was purely based upon the color and i just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get it out of my head and i was like well, i know it's a good bike so cool i'm gonna get it so I can't, I can't wait, wait to, to see it. Yeah. 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 It'll be out on the next vlog, which should be Sweet. probably the 31st, I think, right after my birthday. I, I should have that one up. Nice. I got this like, man, I got a, a weigh in on Monday and I'm kind of stressing because the, 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 uh, the air quality up here has been like, yeah, because of all the fires. So yeah. I haven't been able to ride as much as I was. So I'm like stressing about, all of all of that um lost burnt calories so i'm i'm not sure if i'm going to meet my goal by the end of the month we're hoping hoping that works out i'm proud of you man you've been making some great strides yeah yeah thank you i appreciate that man it just honestly it's like one of those things when you know as a content creator you don't necessarily think about how it's going to affect people when you make something you know totally. and then, then you put something out and then all these people are inspired or whatever and yeah wow, I wasn't really like, I wasn't thinking about it in that perspective when I did it, you know, it sure. definitely wasn't like, like you would think as that, like YouTubers are like that, that's what we want. Like, that's the only reason that we do <laughs> is to be like coddled and like, like, Oh, wow, you're doing such a great job. And let me tell you, you influence, you, you know what I mean? You would think that by like, yeah. from the outside in, but realistically, like that's, nine times out of 10, like the last thing that I'm thinking of, you, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, sometimes you make one, you're like, Oh dude, this is going to like, people are going to yeah. react, yeah. you know, but most of the time that that's not the case, man. Yeah. 
So you never know which one will land well with your people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like yeah, you, you don't. You definitely don't. So um, you've been doing a bunch of bike packing, huh? Yeah, I love bike packing. What? Did, talk to me about bike packing, man. Like, what is like? What's the draw? Like, why? What? What? Uh, what made you get into it? Well, part of what I love about mountain biking in general is being outside in nature. And I've been to Whistler and it was fun. It, it wasn't my pinnacle mountain biking experience, even in the slightest. Um, I was a little bit disappointed. I had pretty high expectations. It, it was kind of like the Disneyland experience of mountain biking. And there were great trails there. The riding was fun. People were nice and everything. And nature was pretty too. We saw three black bears there, but man, I just love being out there and and disconnecting and forgetting about my troubles and and nature is a huge part of mountain biking for me. If mountain biking were only indoors on man-made stuff, I wouldn't mountain bike. Yeah, I agree with you there. That said, I love BMX and riding BMX tracks and that has nothing to do with nature really. Yeah. But but being out in nature, I mean, my parents took me camping since I was 3 and my whole life we camped always every summer and um before my wife and i lived in an rv we were camping about 65 nights a year and we're like mm -hmm. man why are we paying a mortgage if we spend almost as much time in our tent it seems like and yeah and man bike packing is it's not for everyone and i'm not here to convince everyone to try it but if you like bike backpacking you should try bike packing um bike packing it gets you out further. Uh, you get more disconnected. You hardly see any other people. You're waking up with the sunrises there. It's the same thing I like about backpacking, but it's less boring. I, yeah. I have ADD. I get bored when I hike. I, it, after like five days backpacking, I'm done. And I just want to When I'm hiking, home. all I'm thinking about is this would be more fun on a mountain. Yes, <laughs> me too. It ruins you. I will say on a loaded bike, on a bike packing bike full of 25 pounds of gear, so your bike's about wow. 50, 50, 55 pounds, the Uh-oh, his internet's pooping out. We'll see how long it takes him to come back. I'm assuming he's going to tell us that it's no bueno whenever you're bike packing and uh, it gets heavy and you're climbing, and that sucks. Looks like we lost him. I'm going to have to just keep chatting here for a minute. We'll see how long it takes for him to come back. So I have personally considered this bikepacking thing because I like camping, but I'm not like crazy about camping. So like it's fun, but I think that it would be pretty interesting to go out and get away from everybody for a couple of days and I, I see the draw. I just don't, man, I feel like, I feel like if I get into bikepacking, what happens is it's like a new way for me to spend another thousand dollars on biking. Repeat that question one more time. Sorry. Oh, it wasn't really a question. I, I was just ranting while I was waiting for you to come back. Oh, but my internet. I was back. just saying like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just saying like, I feel like if I do do it, I said, do do. If I do do it, <laughs> it's, it's like, I know that I'm like, oh, I need to buy this. I need to buy this. I need to buy this. Like it's another, yeah. it, it's not like, it's, it's a not very like, expensive sport. It's not like I can just take my REI, like two person, whatever tent that I have. Right. And just strap it on my, like, cause you, it, everything's specific, right? 
it's so expensive and that's the the big downside i did one where i had a little trailer and mm -hmm. the trailers aren't cheap it was like 450 bucks but i could carry all that heavy crap and not have to worry about having the latest and greatest and it i think it's actually a gateway to get other people started mm -hmm. on it but you you have a lot less room to put stuff on your bike than you do on a backpack mm -hmm. so when you go backpacking hiking you can fit a ton of stuff in those backpacks you can't fit that much on a bike and the size constraints and the way it's loaded up is really tough and it's taken me about 10 bikepacking trips to get my setup dialed to where i don't feel like all my weights on my handlebars or all my weights on the back. Yeah, so that's what you were kind of talking about, I think, right when your internet cut out. It sounded like you were gonna talk about climbing and the bike, bike being loaded down, like 50 pound bike or something like that. Yeah, so riding a 30 pound bike on a trail, the bike will dance underneath you. And if you've ever ridden an e-bike on the downhills, it doesn't feel the same as a non-e-bike to me. Mm -hmm. And I prefer the non-e-bike on the downhills. It's just, it just, feels more alive and you can move it around a little bit more mm -hmm. and riding a bike packing bike feels like riding an e-bike on the downs it, it's sluggish it doesn't respond as well um, your weight's a little bit higher up the bike's heavy and not just the climbs but it's you lose some of that excitement yeah your um audio just went out so you lose some i i could see that so basically because the the bike is not being as responsive as it was before you're losing some of that quick twitch kind of stuff that's going on. Did, did you get your audio back? Nope. So <laughs> just watching his lips move. So I, I can understand that. I can totally understand that. You know, it's interesting that you say that about the e-bike thing because I've been um, toying around with doing a video that um, everybody's always like, is an e-bike faster kind of video. And obviously yeah, but I've been questioning like, is it faster on a downhill? And mm -hmm. and I feel like nobody's really like kind of tackled that. They kind of tackle it in like these like loop scenarios. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about like doing a video like that where I want to go out and rent one and just see like, because when I'm pedaling on, let's just say like the Confluence Trail, which is the, the end of that loop that you did is kind of chunky downhill next to the river three miles when I'm pedaling that to like, try to like Strava, you know, I'm going as fast as I want to go. Like, you know, like there's times when it's like, you're pumping the brakes or whatever. So I don't really feel like the e-bike is going to help me in that perspective. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm really curious is like, do I get on the e-bike, but because of the extra weight, I feel more planted in my corners or, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Totally. So, I think we were, you were back. So now that you're back. Yeah. Um, sorry. No, no, man. It's, it is what it is, dude. So I, believe me last week I had like the internet from hell. I had to go back to my cell phone for a minute and then back mm -hmm. on the camera. So, I mean, this stuff happens until, until I'm, I'm like Joe Rogan and I can afford to like, <laughs> fly you out for the, for the day and we can just record the podcast and have a good time. Um, this is what we're going to deal with. Right. So those of you guys that have been not like on the fence with Patreon, you should get on Patreon so I can get to the point where I can start flying my guests out. I'm going to have to do that. That's right. <laughs> that so you right. were saying about the bike being a little more like sluggish because of the extra weight. Yeah. It, it behaves differently and you need to pick a trail that's appropriate. So the trail that you'd ride on the weekend with your buddies is not going to be fun 
on a bike packing rig, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So you, you, you get a different sense of accomplishment out of bike packing than just mm -hmm. the thrill of the ride. It's, you can still pick super fun trails mm -hmm. that are still super fun on a loaded bike but it's adding that adventure. It's adding the, where's my next water stop? I'm going to yeah. have to filter or where am I going to set up for camp? I don't know. We're going to see where we're at when it gets dark. And yeah, that, that brings, I, I like the unexpected, the unplanned, the adventure yeah. that comes out of the unknown. I would think that like ca carrying your food is probably the thing that like really limits you the most. Cause I mean, food's heavy. It is. And water, and it, especially. Yeah. I mean, what is it like eight pounds for a gallon or something like yeah, that? Yeah. 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 I didn't even think about the water situation. So where you're right, I mean, you're in the desert. So are you trying yeah. to go where you can filter off of some river or Creek or something or. Man, you get desperate in the river, in the, in the desert. We've filtered out of cow feeding ponds. Uh huh. We've filtered out of. You, you got to be careful with mine tailings. Same with up in the Sierras and in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Like there's arsenic and really bad metals in the rivers in a lot of those. And even though you have a filter, it doesn't filter those out. And if you're dying, drink water, whether it's filtered or not, because it's right. easier to kill the bugs two weeks later than to die of dehydration. But right, yeah, you can't fix that. But planning is probably the most overlooked part about bikepacking. Uh -huh. You have to plan your brains out because you don't want to be on a 40-mile stretch with no water. Yeah, that's the part where that I get fearful. Of. I'm going to need somebody like you to take me on a bikepacking trip. Well, then there's a need for that. Someone needs to create a little bikepacking touring guide that, that takes them on their first bikepacking trip where you can rent all the equipment Mm -hmm. You know, pay a couple hundred bucks to have a guide take you there. We know where all the water is so you can have a good first time experience. So you're motivated yeah. enough to see if it's for you or not. So you can actually like see like, yeah, if it's for you and then also like build some opinion on the, yeah, on the, uh, like the gear, you know, like I was telling somebody the other day, one of my friends is trying to get into riding and it's like, dude, they're like, you know, looking at all these different bikes and maybe considering spending a lot of money. I'm like, look, buy this cheap ass freaking yeah. um I, I ended up telling them to buy this giant stance it's mm -hmm. a full suspension bike and it's like 13 or 1500 bucks i think it's 1500 yeah. bucks but i was like look this will save your back it'll be full suspension but it's cheap enough that once you build some opinion yeah you can still sell it for a decent amount of money or you can just keep it as like your backup bike or whatever, you know, like you're not going to feel like you broke the bank and then found out like, man, I hate 27.5. I really right. had a 29 or man, I, I just so many things, you know, like there's so much to think about. We've had a few friends that have been getting into riding recently and um, it's, it's really kind of opened my eyes to like being a beginner again, you know, there's, so much that I take for granted and for two reasons, a I've been mountain biking forever. So mm -hmm. that's part of it. But the other end of it is even when I wasn't a mountain biker, like I've been a bike rider sure. since I was a, a little kid. Mm -hmm. So there's so much where it's like, you know, Hey, when I was seven, we were figuring out how to break a chain and put it back on because right. we didn't have anybody to pay to do that because a we didn't have the money and b we didn't have the money you, you right, know what I mean? right. so it was like so where it's like you know you you 
like I was learning how to shift when I was, you know, eight or whatever, you know? Right. So people that are getting on these bikes now, they like, they're maybe they, they didn't have all that experience. You're right. Well, and you, you make assumptions too. Like they're on a $10,000 bike with full Troy Lee head to toe. And yeah, you think, Oh, they know how to change a tube. And some of those people have never changed a tube before. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I'm a NICA coach for our local high school team. And just last week, one of the kids' dads was there and he pulled out a tube and the kid's like, what's that? <laughs> and we had to explain what a tube was and what it does because he grew up in a tubeless world. Pretty crazy. Oh, hilarious. I didn't even think about that. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my, that's a mess. Oh man, what else would dig the hell out of us on this? Oh you no, know, let's not go down that road. But, you know, I was reading this thing the other day. I was on um on uh Absolute Black's website. Yeah. And they were talking about oval and they're like, we're not biopace. And I was like, Yeah, does anybody even know what biopace is anymore? Because I mean I remember because my bike yeah. that I bought in 92 had biopace on it. Yeah. But does anybody really know what it is anymore that you need to put it on your website and say that That's this is funny. clearly not biopace? Yeah. Well, back to what you were talking about with uh, what it's like to be a new person to the sport and you need to kind of ride something to get some opinions. One of the things I offer my patrons, shameless plug here, is a bike consultation where I work with them and they fill out a questionnaire and we go back and forth because the perfect bike for someone in California is not the perfect bike for someone in Colorado or Florida. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my viewers want to get their lifelong bike the first time and it makes sense yeah. they don't want to waste money but man it's i don't think that's possible and i hate saying that because i really believe in having a good budget not going yeah. into debt for all this but i'm totally with you you need to like when they say how how much rise should i have in my handlebars or should i get carbon or should i get aluminum and i'll walk them through that but the truth is they need to like you say get some of that experience so it's really hard to take someone yeah. who's, who says i've been you know I, I've been riding this piece of junk trek that I pulled out of the garage for the last yeah. two months during quarantine. And I'm, I'm ready to get my first mountain bike. I have a budget of 4,000. I want to buy a bike. I never have to replace again. And I get that, but yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard to kind of steer them. Cause I'm like, are you wanting more like 60 mile days or more like five mile days with some jumps in there? Yeah. I don't really know. I don't have any experience yet. And so it's like, well, Maybe we should keep you on something cheap so you kind of know what you want yeah. and then you can dive down that rabbit hole. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's, oh man, I just had something too off of what you just said. Now it's eluding me. It, it's just, um, it, it's funny because I understand it too. It's like, this is a lot of money. It's yeah. not like you're dropping like, and this could be a lot of money to somebody else. It's not like you're driving like 500 bucks and you're right. like, yeah, yeah, I, I could, I could poop that out again if I need to. You, you know what I mean? Like, Sure. These bikes are grit, man. Yeah. And um, but they're so like purpose built now. And I think maybe like with people our age, maybe that's why they don't quite get it. Because when we were younger, it was like you got a road bike or you got a mountain bike or you got a BMX bike. Like those yeah. were the choices. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So I, I like I had my friend that was asking me, and they're like, Well, I want to get a bike, you know, I could like do some riding on the road. And then, you know, like hit some trails too. And I'm like, oh, a gravel bike. And then they're like, 
you know, but I, I'd like to, you know, do some of that like chunky stuff that I see on your videos. I'm like, okay, well now you want to maybe an XC bike, you know? And then, yeah, then yeah. it's like, they say something else and you're like, no, 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 you don't want to, they're like, well, you know, and I wouldn't mind like if I could like, you yeah. know, ride it down to the local bar and have some beers. I'm like, well, you don't want to leave any of these bikes chained up. Like, right. So, like, <laughs> well, it's, it's great that so many people are joining this sport and it just becomes aware that they don't know what they don't know. And we all want that one bike to rule them all. The one, yeah. it's just like a car. We want a car that can go off road, but get good gas mileage, but carry all our friends, but be easy right. to park and really safe, but not expensive. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, as, yeah. as life goes on, you start to learn what you, what you can and can't do. But yeah. I, I, that's probably one of my favorite things about the channel is helping people find the right bike. And yeah. I've been able to steer a lot of people away from some really bad decisions. Oh, the other thing I was going to say to you too, when you were talking earlier is like, people will ask their friends for advice, right? On how this is. And realistically, like you and I are both good riders. We have different opinions, like drastically sure. different opinions on like frame material and sure. wheels and like, sure. so you, like when you're asking somebody for their opinion on what you should buy, like realistically, you're just asking them what they would buy. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, you just want a little confidence to pull right. the trigger. That's all you want. And some of these people will hit me up and be like, so I really want this. And I can tell after a few conversations, they're not really budging and they know what they want. And they just want me to give them the okay that that's a good decision. Yeah. And sometimes I do that. Well, and I've been reviewing bikes for a long time now, especially a lot of hardtails. And I'm finally starting to feel like I've ridden enough different things mm -hmm. to be able to compare stuff. And most of our buddies have ridden like two or three bikes mm -hmm. uh, in the last four years. And what my advice is for everybody is swap bikes with your buddies whenever you yeah. can on any ride. Feel what their shifters are like. Feel what their brakes are like. Don't go off pink bike comments. Go off your own experience. And the more stuff you can try, the more you can kind of form these yeah. opinions about what you like and what you don't. Yeah, if I could smush like SRAM and, and, and Shimano shifters together, because basically I want the precision of the SRAM, like how it always shifts so perfectly. Yeah. But I want that Shimano ability to like blow through gears. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like you can just like hit the button and get like three gears down. Like brah, brah. You, you like can't do that on your SRAM? I don't think so. Huh. You know what I've been digging? <laughs> so here's a top secret. I haven't released the review yet, but it's coming. The new MicroShift Advent X is the bomb. What is that? So it's a 10-speed drivetrain. Mm -hmm. It's an 11 to 48 tooth, one mm -hmm. by drivetrain, and the shifter is $30. Oh, the wow. derailleur is like $40, and the cassette is like $80. Oh, wow. So super and cheap. Super cheap, and it weighs about the same as XT 12-speed. It shifts better. The cassette doesn't creak like 12-speed. I'm uh, ready to sell all my drivetrains and just upgrade to that. Anyway, that's for those of you out there listening that are looking to buy a bike. It's yeah. the real deal, and it shifts. It shifts way better than Shimano. It's a nice, precise click. There's some downsides, and like, uh, there's no pivot on the little clamp on your bar, so you have to remove your grip and slide it on. But oh uh, yeah, whatever. Man, a budget drivetrain that feels great. That's what I took on my Colorado trip, and it was flawless. Super good stuff. Anyway. Have you have you ridden the box stuff? Yes. I really like the idea of that box where it was like a nine speed that went from like 50 yes. to 
nine or ten was the bottom like 10 or something like that i think it's 11 because it's got to yeah. be on an hg driver but yeah i've got one on a bike right now and I like that seems like more yeah really and it's half the price yeah, yeah. i can see that the box I, has it the shifter feel is good i'm on the box three right now mm -hmm. man i'm giving away all my review info right now oh, okay. you got you heard it here first on the yeah. biker bar Nobody but, listens uh, to this anyway, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think the higher end box stuff will be different, but mine has a pretty weak clutch on the three, uh -huh. and I get a lot of chain slap, and I've actually lost the chain on some powerful climbs before. So I'm oh, not nice. sold on the cheaper box one. But the problem is, like, the box two and one, they're like 700 bucks for the box one. And at that point, yeah. you might as well be on an X01 setup. That's super expensive, man. Yeah. The drivetrain, like in it, in the last few years, at least in my perspective, has just like gone through the roof. Like it used to be, like, oh, I need a new cassette, I need a new chain ring, I need a new chain. Like you would yeah. do that as a maintenance thing and not really like fret about it, you know? Totally. And now it's like four hundred dollar cassette, you know? Yes. Like, yes. You're like, well. Yes. I don't really care if it's missing it's years <laughs> in the middle of the two. Yeah, it's all right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. It, it, it's it, super expensive. And building your own bike is super expensive. Forks start at like 800 bucks for an okay fork. I remember back in the day, you could build a bike for 800 bucks and it'd be pretty decent back then. But yeah, I mean, we're pretty spoiled. The performance of these $2,000 bikes is ridiculous. I'll ride them down a trail and turn around and look at it and be like, my bike just rode down that and nothing yeah. broke. And that's amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the things that I was trying to tell that guy that was, that I was talking to the other day about buying that stance, you know, and he's like, well, for 1500 bucks, I could get this other bike. That's like four years old used. That's a better model. And I'm like, honestly, in the last few years, like how quickly things are changing that new bike that's cheaper is better than that old bike that was more expensive like it's just yeah. like the geometry is dialed the like even though the, the components is not the the as good as a level as they are on that one it's still better than that one you know it's like hard for people to to yeah. grasp it's like just trust me man yeah people always say there's no such thing as a bad bike these days i feel like there's no such thing as bad components these days but i do feel like there are frames that are total waste of money so, yeah. and that see, depends on the rider. Yeah. I, I've noticed that on some of these frames, it looks like they're using almost this like dirt jump kind of uh, profile to the frame now where the head tube is up or the, yeah, the head tube, head tube, head tubes up kind of high and yeah. it's just dropping all the way down. Like the seat, seat tube, like the seat tube length is really short. Yeah. What, what do you, what, what's the, I mean, you're a guy that's big on geometry. What's the reason? What's, I think it's just aesthetics, like how you like a certain color. That's the first thing you go for in a bike. Yeah. Some people pick the way a bike looks as their number one. And for some reason, what's in vogue right now is a straight line from the dropout to the head tube. And the more straight they can get that, the more people like it. And I mean, that's the number one comment on some of these bikes like that new Yeti is yeah. look at that straight line from the front to the back. And I think it sells bikes and <laughs> I don't, I think people like a lower top tube, lower or lower standover. And mm -hmm. I get that cause I'm short with short legs, but I think, you know, my personal opinion is standover has been totally overrated right now. 
all bikes have pretty low standover and you're never yeah. flat footing. I get a lot of new riders saying, I think I bought too big of a bike. When I get off, I can't flat foot with both feet on, on the ground. Yeah. And I said, well, most people, when they stop on their bikes, lean it to the side a little and step out. We're not just flat yeah. footing, straddling our bike like a strider. And, right. and uh, so a lot of people are really into that low standover because they want to flat foot on their bike. Yeah, I've never been to, able to flat foot ever. I said that to somebody just the other day. They they said that almost exactly word for word what you said. And I, we were riding and it was like, I had my seat where it would for climbing. I took my feet off the pedals. I was like, look, my feet don't touch the ground, dude. Yeah. Like that's yeah. because that's where I want my like legs to be whenever I'm climbing, you know, like yeah. I want to be like almost all the way extended. So it's just easy to forget what it was like to be that new rider that didn't really have that context of what an appropriate seat height is or yeah. i mean the, how to get on and off a bike or start on a hill that's that's one of the hardest things to learn when riding it's pretty crazy it's really yeah i don't yeah so much of that like i said because i rode when i was a kid like so much of that stuff is like the stuff that i completely forget about you know like when i take a, a beginner out i'm thinking about like trail wise i'm like okay don't get anything that's too chunky. If you only remember three spots that are hard, that means there's probably 15. You, yeah. you know, like, like, you know, stuff like that. I, I kind of walk myself through, but I never think about like, it's overwhelming to be, especially on yes. a new bike where you're like, Hey, you have to shift, you have to yep. break and you have to control the seat now too. Yes. You know, meanwhile, yeah. figuring out how you're like putting your body position. Yeah. Nika has a really good, this, uh, National Interscholastic Cycling Association, the the group that organizes all the high school mountain bike things. They have a great training and they teach coaches to, to get a gauge of how hard a trail will be. Lock your elbows and stare right in front of your tire and think if you could ride that. If you could ride that in that fashion, it's good for a new rider. If you can't, it's too hard for them. Huh. Yeah, then I'm, I'm really a jerk then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think for me, sometimes I always think this too, though. I'm like, they should have some stuff they need to walk around because like, that's a really important skill set to learn is right. that like, this is too hard for me. I need to get off. Yes. You know? And then it also does two things. It teaches them that skill set. And then it teaches them the other one where it's like, now you have something to come back and beat. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, absolutely. Oh, I got halfway through that rock garden or, Oh, I, I got all the way through that. Or, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, cause that's the fun part of biking. Well, then like, they just buy a mega tower and ride right through it. Right. <laughs> just wait till they have the mega, mega tower e-bike. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No kidding. No, I totally know what you mean. And I, that's a huge appeal to me is the challenge. And that's why I ride hardtails too. Like, there are some climbs around here in Sedona that I know not too many people, if anyone has made it up on a hardtail. And that's a fun challenge for me to make it a little harder for myself. Not that I'm, I don't want people to think I'm so good that I have to make mountain biking additionally harder. I'm not, there's so many people so much better than yeah. me, but I, I also like, I'm getting older. I want to stay safe and I don't want to hurt myself. So I up the ante by riding things on a hardtail and riding things more technical, not necessarily more dangerous or more fast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to say it for me. I'm not like a guy that really aspires to do like big park days and like gap jumps and stuff. Like, I don't know, man. It just doesn't yeah. like, it, maybe it's cause I'm older. You know what I mean? Like, 
Like I, I'm, yeah, I would say the first time, like when I blew out my shoulder and got the AC separation, that was the mm -hmm. first time in my like riding history where I really got injured. And for me, it took six months of recovery until I could ride again. Yeah. And that was like the worst six months of my life of sure. like, just like, this is what I do for my Zen and like keeping my head together. And the yeah. idea of not being able to ride at all for a period of time, because I got to like showboat something like is not as appealing to me as riding for those six next, next six months. Well yeah. said. I'm totally in the same boat. A lot of people aren't, and that's okay. We're not saying this yeah, is the only way you yeah, have to no, do totally. it, but I'm the same way. Like I used to jump stuff. I don't jump so much anymore. And I want to be riding in my seventies and yeah. pain, pain free. Yeah. I don't want a, a metallic hip that's giving me issues. So I'm just going to sit and watch wheel of fortune every day. Now I, I want to be out there <laughs> <laughs> enjoying life. And I really think about that on every ride is, you know, is, is this, something that could take me out and maybe I'm too cautious, but that's my goal. Yeah. So how are you, how are you getting all these bike companies sending you all these bikes? You're just like, Hey, I'm Steve hardtail party. Boom. <laughs> that's my secret sauce, man. I can't yeah, really I can't reveal that, but uh, 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 no, I, I, so that's a good question. A lot of people, someone just yesterday commented, I should just blackmail companies as well. And then they'll send me all these bikes to ride. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Let me how know you, how that works out for you. How are you blackmailing? I don't know how you're blackmailing them. I don't either, but how they assumed that I was. But <laughs> oh, that's actually, cool. one thing that's been cool lately, so I've got the latest Kona Hanzo ESD. That bike was announced like a couple of weeks ago. And I reached out to Kona and I said, hey, I'd love to ride this bike. And so demo you just it. like their like, contact us page is what you do? Yes, or there's some other tricks that I'll share with you off the podcast. All right. I don't I want to give away all my secret sauce. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. Um. That is an that is an art, but what you have to remember, a lot of people are like, how do I get sponsored? How do I get free stuff? Yeah. First of all, nothing's free. Right. You're pro I don't pay for the bikes that they put on the channel, but I'm putting you know 20 hours into a video and edit yeah, yeah. and release and media and Instagram posts that correspond with it and links yeah. that go back to their page and I'm tracking all that. It's it's a job and I provide a service and I say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Here's how it will benefit you. Um, if you're interested, let me know. Right. I mean, in the past, they would have sent that bike to a magazine and the magazine guy yes. wrote a story and took some pictures of it. And now it just so happens to be that YouTube is doing a little better in the magazines. You know? Yes. And some companies get it and some are still in the magazine yeah. or sponsor racers mentality. And with my latest one, I couldn't get that Hanzo. I reached out and said, I really want one. It'll do well on the channel. And I don't want to wait till it's six months old when everybody's yeah. already read about it. And they were really nice. They said, hey, thanks for reaching out. Bikes are in sh a shortage right now. I appreciate it. Yeah. We're not going to be able to get you one. But then enough of my viewers really wanted to see that bike. So they reached out to Kona and said, hey, I won't buy this until Hardtail Party reviews it because I trust what? his reviews. Your people, your people yes. blew up like on Instagram? And they're amazing. Well, they were very careful. They weren't annoying. They didn't just blow it up. They... They reached out to them through Instagram and through the contact page. And a week later, Kona's like, hey, we got a bike for you. Right. And so it's all because of my amazing viewers. And Oh, dude, that is so cool. It's so cool. And so I've got one right now. And I'm, uh, yeah, I've just filmed the review for that bike. I can't wait to release it later so, this week. Oddly enough, everybody, or not oddly enough, this is the deal, guys. If you subscribe to my channel or the biker channel, 
or you have friends that subscribe to the biker channel, send Santa Cruz an email and tell them that they need to sponsor a biker because he's tired of paying for their bikes. So, <laughs> just going to put that out there right now. Uh, <laughs> can't come back to bite you if they're annoying. I, I kind of coached them on it and told them how to send a letter and what to include. Yeah. If they harass them and blackmail them, then it will get ugly. But I've yeah. got amazing subscribers. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the chat. I have tried the Reeb and I've got a review of it. Jeff designed a really cool bike with that ridiculous. Yeah, let's talk about it then. Or, you know, you got a review coming. We can't talk about it. Oh, that I've already reviewed the Reeb. That was about a year ago, but I actually rode Jeff's bike. It was pretty cool. That's the his hardtail or? Yeah. Yeah. Is that he, different than the Reeb that you're talking about that you reviewed? No, that's the same one. Unless you've re revamped it in the last year, Jeff. Okay, I think it's yeah. the latest ridiculous. And uh, that was a fun bike. Very cool bike. Yeah, I took a look at look at their uh, their stuff just recently be after I was talking to him or before I was talking to him last. And I saw that on there. Definitely looks like a fun bike. And I'll say that whenever um, I walked by their tent in um, Sedona last or this year, mm -hmm. it feels like last year because no of kidding. COVID. But uh, when I went in there and looked at the bikes, they look really good. Like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wasn't sure beforehand, you know, like, I don't know. It's they're cool dudes and they're shredders. Those guys yeah. ride so well and they design bikes like it. A lot of people don't realize a lot of these companies um, will kind of engineer a bike in CAD and then send it off to Taiwan. Someone welds it up and then it comes back. They slap labels on it and then sell it. There's something really cool for what guys like. Reeb are doing where they build it in house. They, you know, they can do custom and they can make it exactly how you want it. But I recommend most people trust how they've designed it because they really yeah. know what they're doing and they can make changes on the fly. They can tweak stuff between models real quick. They don't have to wait two months to send a new one out to Asia and then find out the quality control wasn't there and then send more out. And so I yeah, they're more expensive. You're going to pay for it, but man, they're cool yeah. bikes. I can say this based like based off of my own experience, trust those engineers that do this for a living because I've like done my own tweaking to a bike that I thought I could do like, Oh, I'm going to put an eccentric yeah. head, head tube in or headset in there. And I'm going to change this angle of the stem. And then I'm going to put this length of it on there. And I ended up making a bike that rode like shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I changed this and this, like all in the cockpit, you know, like put this riser on with this sweep and then this, and it, next thing you know, it didn't ride the way that um, it was designed to. And I didn't like it anymore. I will say it depends on the engineer. Some of these, I don't trust some of the engineers <laughs> out there and the decisions they're making, but yeah, I had I just installed a really cool product called the Slacker. It's an angle set you can put on a chameleon. Yeah, I saw and, that video. And someone in the comments was like, "Well, why would you ever change this? The engineers know what they're doing at Santa Cruz. They built the perfect bike. Otherwise, they would have just built it like this." And um, I get what they're saying, but I disagree. And I don't think there's one perfect bike for every terrain. So if you can make little changes experiment you'll learn something like you did i'm sure you when you put those riser bars on although it didn't wasn't the result you'd hope for you took something away from it and it will help yeah. you in the future yeah totally i like learned that don't do that again <laughs> yeah. you know but some of that stuff is like it's just you have to go through that you know and, yeah and 
honesty, like you have to go through it to know whether or not you really like it. Like not too long ago, put two six front and back on the Bronson. And I was like, just thinking, man, this is, I'm going to have grip for days. I mean, I was like, I got two eight on the chameleon. Why can two six, two yeah. six can't be bad on the Bronson. I didn't like it. It was like made everything sluggish and like, man, pedaling uphill on that thing. I hated the fucking thing then, you know? It's yeah. Like, well, I love experimenting and I encourage people to experiment just like that. That's how we learn. And, and don't, don't take magazine or my review or anyone's review, take it all with a grain of salt and in the context in which it was provided and, use it as info to learn more, but feel free to come up with your own opinions that differ yeah. from what the magazines say. I think you said something earlier that is like a real, was a really good piece of advice is like switch bikes with your buddies. Yeah. Like if you guys are the same height, like definitely do that. And the other thing that I can say to people out of my experience of being on a bunch of different bikes is sometimes you do have to like understand that because this bike is so different than yours, you might actually had to ride it for a week before you actually yes. found out you liked it. Like I've I know done that. Yeah, go ahead. When I rode the um the Norco Site 29er, yeah. like I kept saying, and I don't know if I it came across well enough in the video. Like I kept feeling like if I rode this for a week, I think the things that I'm complaining about would go away. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like I felt like the steering was off, but yeah. I felt like it was off just because it was like different that yeah different from what i was used to you know totally i always love it when i swap bikes with a buddy and they ride it and i say what do you think and they're like well the seat was a little hard I'm like <laughs> okay what else well that was really all i noticed yeah. and i'm like okay that's okay and we're all at different different yeah. places but it's funny how i've had friends and i used to work at a shop how they would pick one thing it'd be the brakes or um how light it was or what the seat felt like and that's why they bought the bike and yeah. i always i always chuckle when uh people pick a little item like that as their selling point that tipped the scales because those things are all completely changeable oddly enough i've found out through some very um finite scientific research that everybody else's bike always feels lighter than yours like yeah, when you no pick kidding, up your bike, right? you're always like, dude, this thing's hella light. And then they're, they pick up yours and they're like, Oh my God, your bike's so light. You're like, it, it's, it, it's not factual, but it, <laughs> the grass it, is always lighter. Yeah. I think, I yeah. think that's the deal. It just always feels lighter no matter what on something else. Um, you were talking about earlier, like quote unquote, modern geometry. What is modern geometry when you say that? That's it. I, I kind of am mad at myself for saying that, but I it need we need some way to call it that mm -hmm. because modern's always shifting, and what's right. modern today is not going to be modern tomorrow. Um, I my most popular video right now is how to ride a modern bike differently than an old school bike because they do ride completely different. A long a modern bike's going to have a longer reach, and it's going to have a steeper seat tube angle and a slacker head tube angle. Usually mm -hmm. XC bikes haven't changed a ton. They're starting to go that way, but um, XC bikes, you can still kind of use the same techniques as before. But as these bikes get longer and more slacked out and we're, you know, we're riding trails faster than ever and we're riding chunkier stuff than ever. We are riding more technical things, things that are steeper. And in fact, the trails are changing because we're riding them differently because mm -hmm. 
the speed is just going up and up and up and bikes are getting more and more capable. Uh, and the way these bikes ride, the front wheels way farther in front of you. The way we used to ride in the 90s and 2000s, we kind of sit on top of the bike and just kind of let the bike do its thing. It was kind of like riding a beach cruiser. Some people, not everybody. But uh, these new bikes, you really have to weight the front wheel. And if you're just leaning back, you're scared of things, you're locking your elbows, leaning away from the terrain, your front wheel is going to have no traction and you're going to be blowing through corners. I have a lot of people that uh, email me and say, hey, I've been interested in a new bike, but I rode one. It rode awful. It's so much worse than my new bike. I couldn't steer. I couldn't brake. It was scary. Something's wrong. And I point them to that video. They watch the video and they say, oh, I totally get it now. I need to get over the front more. I need to weight that front tire in yeah. corners. I need to not lean away from the bike. I need to lean into the corner and it yeah. makes a world of a difference. And bikes are going to change every year. And if our riding position and style never changes, we can't expect the bikes to just magically behave better if we don't change with them as well. I had that conversation with my lady just recently because she's getting back into mountain biking. And the last bike that she had was like from 2006, right? Mm-hmm. So she was going into stuff and like getting like way back. And I was telling her like, you need to get low. Like, yes, you do still need to get back a little, but you need to get low more than you need to get back, you know? And, and she just looked at me like I was crazy, you know, yeah. like, like yeah. what are you talking about? And, and it's something that somebody else that I was talking to on, on this podcast mentioned that I didn't really think about is like, it's the dropper because you can get low now. You, you know what I mean? Like you didn't have that. You know what I mean? Like, I think even with some of those different geometries back then, I wonder if, getting back wouldn't have mattered as much if we could have got our seat low. Interesting. I, I must've, uh, I that's one of my n- number one comments on that video. I, I, I must've been totally different because in the nineties I rode with my seat down more than up. I'd yeah. go up this big hill with it up and then you'd have the quick release and I'd, I'd cut my seat so I could slam it all the way down, hmm. essentially be a dropper that took 30 seconds to change. Yeah. And so I, I always learned to ride with the lower seat. And even then I was not over the front wheel. I was leaning back, um, but droppers have definitely changed that. We're able to move around a little more. And if all you've come from is high posting. Yeah. If all you've come from is high posting where you leave your seat up all the way. Oh man, there's so many aspects you need to change to ride a modern bike now. Yeah. I would leave, I would drop mine a little, but definitely nothing like what I'm dropping it now. I know when I forgot my first dropper, it was 125 millimeters. And I remember feeling like, oh my God, it's so, it's like, I felt disconnected because I didn't have like this other point of contact that I yeah. was to. Like I used to like kind of pinch my seat between my legs and. Yeah. A lot of people do. Right. I have a 200 millimeter dropper now. And, and I, if, if they sold a 215 so I could just get another couple millimeters, like I would do it, you know, yeah, like. Totally. Like totally. it's. It, I, I want, like, I always joke around about this. I want to push a button in. I want it to like fold up like inspector gadget and just like right into one, the seat. One day. Yeah. Right? We just need levitating seats that are like magnets and uh, we hit a button and the magnets stop and then we can get low. If I could change anything on a bike and while I ramble about this, I'd like you to think about what you could would change. If I could change okay. one thing on a bike, I think the thing that I would change that's like, just because it bothers, it annoys me, is I would make a 
quick release system for taking your seat off. Mm. I hate that freaking seat clamp. It's like, especially whenever I need to like pump up my dropper, it's like, oh man, I just got that thing back to where I want it. <laughs> like, you need an axis dropper. Yeah. It's just like one of those things that just irritates yeah. the hell out of it. What would you change? I would probably, I've been watching Palmer's Peeves where Ryan Palmer from the bike mag talks about the things that tick him off the most. And it's actually really good stuff. I recommend it. And I'm going to have to agree with one of his is I would love it if we could get rid of sealant in tires. If uh, we could find a way to not make a mess every time you mount or dismount tires. I'm probably changing tires every two weeks yeah. on the bikes. I just try a lot of things. It'd just be nice not to have. I get it. I get why we have it. And I love that we have tubeless. But if there was a way to do that without a whole bunch of sealant getting everywhere, that'd be really nice. Do you have like a, a sealant pair of shorts that you wear when you do it? <laughs> I'm so mad. My favorite riding shorts are completely stained with sealant and it looks yeah. terrible and yeah. I don't know how I, to get it out. I got uh, a set of those new Tasco shorts that are like yeah. so freaking comfortable. They're like amazing shorts. They're also expensive. Yeah. And um, that's whenever I blew that tire and I needed to take my Kush core out on the side of the trail. Yeah. They, they got sealant everywhere on them yeah and um i'm gonna do a video on shorts here soon and i bought this stuff at at the hardware store i'm either gonna ruin my shorts or oh. I'm gonna get, get the uh get the sealing out but i found this cleaner that's supposed to like work on taking latex out okay so we'll see if it works i'll let you know man i'll stay tuned i'm looking forward to that one yeah I yeah use it. oh dude if it takes it out i'm gonna be so happy I mean, nice. like, because honestly, or I'm going to have like a tie dye looking pair of shorts. I don't know. All the stitching's just, they're going to fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you looking forward to this, this, uh, this next year? Well, it's been really rewarding to be doing YouTube full time. And, um, I don't do great in the corporate world and I finally feel like I found my purpose in life and, yeah. I am loving what I what I do. I mean, who wouldn't? It's it's barely putting food on the table at the moment and I'm yeah. super grateful for my patrons and the people that support me and my sponsors, but it's growing and it's growing steadily and I look forward to being able to do this. And it's opening more, more doors open every week and I'm uh -huh. just blown away at the opportunities that are presenting themselves. That's awesome, man. I I I um for a long time, I like, I really wanted to be a full-time YouTuber and, and I don't know, I, I can tell you this, if the opportunity arose, I would take it, but I don't know if that's like, is that really what I want? You know, like, I, I don't that's know. good. You're honest about that. And yeah, I mean, I would I, definitely do it because I would have to, in order to like, know whether or not like, sure. for real, like I, that's what I wanted to do. My assumption is I think I'm like, I would like it in the aspect of how I'm doing it right now with yeah. the podcast and the, the regular channel, not having as much of a drive on the videos. So like my regular channel, I'm doing like one video a month. Right. And with that, and then doing the podcast every week, like if I could make both of these grow enough that that was like my job, then I feel like I, I I'd keep it. I, I'd, I'd be happy, you know, at least for a while. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, I don't, 
your life always changes, right? It does. And you want that flexibility. And I don't want all my income to come from YouTube, but I never want to get rid of the YouTube aspect. But yeah. I'd love to provide input on frames and design and components. And I love the educational piece. I'm, I've got yeah. a lot of educational projects in the work that I can't wait to release and announce. And that's what's really, really fun about it for me. And uh, also being this NICA coach for the high schools, that is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And I'm really looking forward to this season here in Arizona. We're still having races and helping develop strong characters and strong youth that, you know, care for our environment, that mm -hmm. care for each other, that encourage each other to try new things and just watching them change through mountain biking. That's, mm -hmm. that is so rewarding. And that's something I'm really looking forward to this year. I could really see that, you know, honestly being something that, that I could get into. I'm, we were talking before the show started about my kids being, you know, almost both of them out of the house at this point, my son's been out of the house for a while. My daughter, she's a senior this year. So this time next year, she's going to be not living here anymore. And like, I definitely would enjoy that, like that aspect of, you know, helping some younger kid, like, get into riding you know one of my friends um her son is is kind of getting into it right now he's been asking to ride with us and i'm like yeah dude that'd be fun again you know like yeah it's fun to watch people kind of like come along you know yeah i love it these kids come up with no confidence some of them have no friends some of them have been homeschooled their whole life and they don't really have the social skills and some of them are the homecoming king and man, we have the greatest little team. And I've been on some teams where it's uber competitive and we're not that in Sedona. So if you're wanting your kid to be the next Kate Courtney, don't send them to Sedona because we're not out here to develop world-class riders. We're out here to develop world-class people. And yeah. seeing these kids at the end of the year, just saying this team changed my life, being outdoors, it's the perfect uh, schoolroom, and I learned about leadership and I cried and I had hard times and I got hurt and I was supported and there's nothing more rewarding than that. I absolutely love it. And if that's something you're looking for, I totally recommend uh, supporting Nike and helping be an assistant coach. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of my friends up here does that for one of the local, local schools or something like that. So, but I got a year until then I'm going to keep uh, being a hermit and jerk to society. <laughs> whatever I'm doing well. Hey, so what do you miss about being on the road? A part of me kind of wants to get another trailer and go on the road and do meetups. I miss meeting up with people and riding and yeah. uh, experiencing the different, the different trails and stuff. And I, I see that in my future. I see a, yeah. some sort of, I'm not going to build a van like every other YouTuber out there. I'm going to do something different, but yeah. I do want to get out there and, and meet people and inspire them and see their trails through their eyes. And yeah, I, I miss that. But also for the first time in my life, this is kind of sad. I moved around a lot as a kid. And for the first time in my life, I have a core group of friends that we ride every Friday night. Yeah. And that is the highlight of my week is That's getting fun. them with my friends. There's about 10 of us and we just ride and we, hang out and we're all totally different yeah yeah we come from different walks of life we have totally different jobs we're all in different points in our lives some of them are 18 some of them are in their 50s yeah. and it doesn't matter and having that core group of friends i've never had that in my life and having that right now i wouldn't trade to be on the road and i love having that 
That's really cool, man. I have um always have like a kind of good core group of people that I ride with, you know, and it's like just enough that it's, you know, cause sometimes you still want to ride by yourself, you know? And, and, and that's one of the things I feel bad about with the channel is like, you, you get people reaching out to you, especially like, like I'm really like geo located my, my, my subscribers. Sure. A lot of them are around NorCal because that's where all my videos are from. Right. So it's like people all the time are like, Hey, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride. And it's like, well, sometimes I want to ride by myself. Sometimes I want to ride just with the lady. Sometimes I want to ride with my friends and sometimes I want to ride with subscribers. So that doesn't, yeah. like if I just did one weekend with all four of those things that I just said, that means there's only 12 opportunities for each group. Yeah, you know? like, true. Like that's not a lot. It's spread know? pretty thin. Yeah. 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 You know, so I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. What, that's um, awesome. Is there any like a uh, geographic area that you're missing that you guys used to go to? Uh, no, I live in my dream place. I, yeah. I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. I absolutely love it here. So it's like in Sedona for people that haven't been there. Like we were joking the whole time we were there about, I, we were making an Arizona joke, but it's probably more of a Sedona joke than it is anything else. It's like all the downhill has like elevation gain on. Oh yeah, there's no there's no two minute downhills here. It's yeah. all shorter than two minutes, and that's yeah. my favorite type of riding. I don't I don't love a two hour downhill blast. I, yeah, but yeah, I, I've gotten spoiled, man. I really have, dude. Like, I'm, yeah, I have this like NorCal personality where the lady and I were talking the other day about you know, well, what if we move somewhere? Like, you know, like when you know, the daughter's out of the house, like, where would we go? And she's like, well, we could go to this, like Texas. I was like, it's too flat. Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean it's too flat? I was like, well, well I'm on the account of, I'm a mountain biker, you know? <laughs> like, And then it's like, well, we, we could go here. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want all that. We could, we could go to Idaho. Yeah. But it snows there. You know? <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> NorCal's good, man. You guys yeah. got it good. Yeah, we, but yeah, we, I think it's important to pick a place that has the type of riding you love. I love yeah. slow technical stuff, so I love it here. And yeah, but yeah, yeah there's great riding cool. everywhere. There really is. It's more and more popping up. And I, I loved that was one aspect I loved about traveling was being like, whoa, Kansas has a sweet riding scene. I wouldn't have thought yeah. they would have or Texas or whatever. And it's been really fun. Yeah, I'd, I'd like so So is uh, Tess on board uh, to get back on the road? Well, we're not going to do it full time. I just like yeah. a little setup to do little two week excursions yeah, yeah, here and yeah. there. Especially before your, your daughter gets to school age, it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got certain financial goals. One of the downsides of living in Sedona is it's ridiculously expensive and we're yeah. looking to buy a house in the next year or so. And they're just skyrocketing. All of you Californians are moving here, driving right. the prices up. So I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it's going to happen soon, but it, it's on the wish list. And until then, we have tents and we can live in a tent for a week and that's no problem. Yeah. Yeah. You guys definitely could get away with that. So yeah. um, I don't know what else I was going to say, man. Any, any, um, or do you write your full suspension at all anymore? Oh man, I just put it up for sale. I've ridden it three times in the past six months. Really? Just because of the number. It's it's really too bad. My buddies, every time we ride, I'm always adjusting something because I'm on a bike for either the first or second time. I just have so many bikes coming in. It's a wonderful problem to have yeah. that every ride I'm dialing something in so I can do the review. So 
Um, I have so many bikes coming in that I don't really have time to ride my full suspension. That said, I do want to keep a full suspension in the stable. I just, mine's an enduro full suspension and um, I just don't have time to, I don't know, time's the wrong word, but if I'm, if I'm only going to have one full suspension, it's going to be something for like 60 mile days that doesn't beat me up quite mm -hmm. as much, like a 120, 130 bike. Mm -hmm. So I do, I still love full suspension. I'm not anti full suspension at all, but I yeah. like, I probably ride four times a week and it's always to film a video or to mm -hmm. get to know a bike before review. And it's a great problem to have, but I don't have time to ride my full suspension with how well the channel has been doing that I can, Right for hardtails. Did you think you were going to be a review channel when you started doing the hardtail stuff? Yes. Um, oh, I don't want to just be a review channel, but I think that's one thing I do pretty well. And there's a lot of things I don't do well in this life, but I do have a pretty analytical mind and I do feel like I feel the little nuances between bikes. So mm -hmm. when my, I would do reviews on my wife's channel and she and her viewers would say, man, for those that don't know, my wife is dusty <laughs> Betty and she has a women's YouTube mountain bike channel to, help encourage women to get into this sport and uh Thanks i recommend you check it out that everybody does oh you're good yeah <laughs> I, I still get that every day wait you guys are married yeah we're yeah. married and uh, i do reviews on her channel and people be like this is so great steve needs to do more reviews and then someone else would be like get steve off this channel this is a women's channel we don't <laughs> want to hear from your husband and so she's like you need to do your own channel and it yeah. needs to have reviews and i love doing reviews and if I ever did something outside of YouTube, I'd love to have some sort of review gig yeah. part time with some of the, the bigger companies. I think that'd be fun, but I don't want it to be talk about whatever you want, dude. You know, maybe I, <laughs> I save a lot of my, um, like people want a top 10 list of my top 10 hardtails. Uh -huh. And that's something I save for my patrons when I'm consulting with them. And uh -huh. I don't want to just give everything away for free because then there's no way to support myself doing this. It sounds selfish, but yeah, you got to find a way to, to, to pay the bills while you keep doing this. So what's your, what's your patron run? Um, I don't know. I know the dollar amount, but I don't know how many patrons I'll look that up. No, no. I mean like, what are the, what are the, what are people getting? What are they like? Oh, uh, there's, I got five, 15 and 20 and uh -huh. the five bucks is, uh, I have a private Instagram account just for my patrons where I'm showing behind the scenes things. So I've, I've got bikes on there that, that won't see YouTube for another month or two. And um, they can chat with me about them. My $15 oh, really one's cool. a sticker pack. Yeah. It's, it's been a fun way to do it. Cause Patreon as a website is clunky and not great. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah I've got my own private Instagram up there and, and I get so many requests each day and just kind of pings on Instagram and email and stuff that I can't respond to to request anymore. So mm -hmm. I do that through Instagram. So if you need an answer from me, unfortunately I have to do that. Or I said Instagram, I have to do that through Patreon just because of the number I'm getting right now. And I probably spend four hours a day on Patreon. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the $20 tier is the, the private bike cons consultation where I find out where they, where they live, what trails they're riding, what their goals are, how long they've been riding, what mm -hmm. bikes they're looking at, what they're currently riding, what they don't like, what they do like. All that info helps me help them pick a right bike. And I don't just push hardtails. I help them pick yeah. any bike. And uh, that's been really rewarding and really fun. But I probably spend four hours a day on custom bike consultation from my page. Oh, wow. How many, uh, do you know how many followers you have on there? 
I just pulled it up and then I closed it. Yeah, Let me go I, look again. I was like, don't worry about it. I'm going to ask you about it in 10 more minutes. <laughs> um, let me go look. So patrons, I have 174. So oh, right on, dude. That's awesome. That's, you know, YouTube doesn't pay. And by being a review channel, I can't exactly go get a sponsor and be like, hey, all my videos are brought to you by Specialized. Now I'm yeah. going to go review a Trek. It doesn't work that way. I actually had a sponsor the first year and I told him, I love your bikes, but I'm, I don't want to be an ambassador anymore because I need to review things without people thinking I have yeah. ulterior motives when I review yeah. your bikes. And so I had to walk away from that, which means way less money. So I really depend on my patrons and I have fantastic patrons. Yeah. For those of you guys still listening, I'm, I'm okay with being um, biased with Santa Cruz bikes. So please, <laughs> <laughs> if you know somebody over there. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, hey, man, we're just about two hours here. I usually ask people at the end of the podcast what other YouTube channels they watch, whether or not it's mountain biking or not. Uh, it's been interesting to hear um, some some good ones that other people watch, or do you like not watch YouTube at all? I do. Um, I watch, I like educational things i like thought-provoking things mm -hmm. i don't like the clickbaity things um so like i'm not subscribed to pewdiepie or mr yeah. beast or any of those things um, i like smarter every day um i like jimmy deresta have you watched him no i have to check out what does, it, what does he do he makes stuff and uh -huh. he's like a machinist and like he'll take an old axe handle and turn it into a lock or something and oh wow okay so I really like the educational stuff. Um, I don't really have, we don't have a TV. We just, um, we, we, I don't really watch a whole lot of stuff. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm usually editing till about 10 every night. And if I'm not writing, I'm editing a video or filming one or planning one. I got this little booklet of videos I'd like to make and I've got over a hundred video ideas in there. And I'm just, it's really crazy because I love doing what I'm doing so much that mm -hmm it doesn't feel like work. And that's the first time in my life I've got to that point. And when I'm not working, I'm working because I'm thinking about, Oh, here's another video I could do. And based mm -hmm. on the questions people are asking, here's something else I could do. And it's, it's really fun. So I, I really don't watch a whole lot of other YouTube and I don't, um, I've got, I watched the, I watched some of the YouTubers. I watched Jeff Lenoski. I love his stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're still on here, Jeff, you're the man. I watch Sid and Mackie. They're really good friends. I watch your stuff. I watch the stuff with the people that I'm pretty close to, Yeah. but I don't want to, I, I intentionally don't click on clickbaity stuff. Like I crashed and almost died today. When I see that in a thumbnail, I won't click it because yeah. I, I don't want to be, I don't know if you make your channel, like, like the national Enquirer, you yeah. will get a whole bunch of subscribers. You really will. But yeah, um, I don't want to start watching all those and thinking I have to do that. So I don't know. It's a tough balance. Yeah, no, I totally understand where you're coming from. Well, I'm going to say this for sure. If this whole COVID situation isn't squared away by Seattle time or not Seattle by Sedona time next year, we're doing a small personal Sedona trip then. And it'll be, a, do it. it'll be a biker hardtail party um, collaboration kind of situation. So I'm definitely, Deal. I am a hundred percent still coming to Sedona first week of March festival or not. So I'll be here. I want to go ride uh, the Rubicon trail. Oh yeah. On the bikes. I've done it in my Tacomas before, but uh, I want to do that. And I want to ride Downeyville with you again and probably single speed Downeyville. 
I would do Downeyville. I would like to do Downeyville in my hardtail. I was going to take the lady up there before because she's just getting back into riding before the end of the season. And I was thinking it would be a good opportunity for me to take the hardtail because I would slow you down. Yeah. Yeah. It slow me down. And then I'll still have fun, you know, like picking different lines and um, yeah. I won't be like burning away from her, you know? So um, we'll see if she's there. She's close. I don't want to get her in over her head, you know? I know. It's it's a delicate balance. You want her to get hooked but not hurt. We got to yeah. go back when conditions are like when you and I wrote it, when it was like opening weekend. There yeah. was still a little snow, no dust. I'm going to tell you right, dirt. right now, that was the best day I ever had in Downeyville until this year. Oh, we, nice. We got up there this year, but it was no snow. And the shuttles hadn't start running yet. And it rained the night before. And oh, yeah. Was, it was like perfect. There was this guy with us that was, it was his first time. I was like, dude, you can never come back, man. Yeah. Like, it's never going to be like this again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Do you so. ever get down to Santa Cruz to ride Demo Forest and Braille yeah, yeah, and all that? Yeah, that's yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's good. They just put a new trail in there, down there, too. Oh, cool. Or, I need to go back. Or uh, they redid an old trail. I think it's called Salt Pit. So okay. like whenever you get to where it's like rails this way, flows this way, and then yeah, pits another way. And I think it just poops you out down the hill a little bit more. So you got a bigger climb to get out, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough climb. I will say, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're doing on both ends too. It's the front end and the back end you're climbing. So yeah. Funny how they do that in Santa Cruz, man. I really appreciate you being on the show, dude. It's so much fun talking to you before um, we got on. I was telling the lady, I was like, yeah, this is going to go by quick. Steve's always real super. It sure did. To to. Um, it's if a you, pleasure. Yeah, dude, for sure, man. All of you guys listening still or at home or whatever, whatever you're doing, however you're doing this in your car and from the mobile device, hit like and subscribe. If you're watching a podcast, leave a review. That'd be great. Um, thanks again to the, all of you guys on Patreon. If you want to add a new pa Patreon subscription, swing by Hardtail Party. Probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Sounds like he's got some good stuff going on over there. This is the last thing. Next weekend, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a show. It's my birthday, and I'm not feeling like I want to book anybody for it, but there's a good chance that I get drunk and do a live stream. So that's going to be the first, that's gonna be your first time I've drank in like two months. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep myself from hitting the, the, the live stream button. So we'll see what happens. That'd be on the biker channel, though. So if you're not subscribed over there, get to it. Thanks again, man. I really, really appreciate having you on the show, dude. Always, always a good time. You're the man. Always a pleasure, Robert. This has been fun. Sweet. So for everybody else out there, you know what time it is. I think that's how single track sampler always ends. I'm not going to say you know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> it only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one.